Hey everyone, just want to give you a quick spoiler warning. This episode does include full series book spoilers. So if you haven't read the entire Wheel of Time series, probably shouldn't listen to this episode. We love you and we hope you enjoy the podcast. Now all of Rantland can rejoice. Here comes another content choice. Revealing tips and tricks and mysteries. And some Wattpan stories since 1990. They might be Dark Friends Podcast. Welcome to They Might Be Dark Friends, revealing the mysteries and stories behind the Wheel of Time fandom. I'm Lauren, and I might be a dark friend because I legitimately want to attend a dark friend social. <laughs> On Zoom or in real life? All of the above. <laughs> well, I'm Alyssa, and I might be a dark friend because sometimes I really, really wish I could use compulsion on my kids. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Rob, and I might be a dark friend because uh, I have a soft spot for the white cloaks um, mm. because they're not all bad, you know, like some nuts in there, but like, you know, by and large, of course, I did just do a song that you guys will be hearing pretty soon. So maybe you'll understand getting in the last, last time it was Sean Chan. Now white cloaks. I'm not sure I if know. Friends with yeah. You. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know about that. Thinking it might not be might <laughs> anymore. <laughs> you are a dark friend. we got a special guest today. We're excited to welcome more shoddy. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I'm more shoddy and I might be a dark friend because I don't trust streaming companies and they're going to cancel wheel of time. I know it. No. <laughs> I, I worry mean, about if, that every day. If, if, I mean, eventually they will cancel it. The show's going to end. Let's hope. Let's hope it gets there. First. There are no endings. I hope it's going to cancel. Oh my God. I can't believe you said that, Lauren. You are a dark friend. <laughs> well, depends on who, you know, who on my YouTube comments you want to listen to. Some people hope it was canceled already. So no, that's yeah. true. <laughs> uh, I am more shoddy. Uh, you can, you know, you find me on Twitter as more shoddy. Some people find me on the Black Tower podcast as fact checker, hail more shoddy or sexy more shoddy as they call me. Uh, <laughs> I basically, you see me off. Uh, online uh telling people mm, actually about wheel of time <laughs> facts uh you can also find me running ttrpgs for several channels um and just overall i would hope that i'm a kind guy and people like me so when you um actually people it's a kind way it's not like gatekeeping <laughs> well, yeah mainly it's a lot of a lot of times i don't actually go out there and do it and people just are asking like just recently someone was asking uh uh, listener Bell, I believe it was. They couldn't remember who Belal was. I I couldn't remember who Belal was either. It's, I think this really minor character in one book. Uh, I think it was the Dragon Reborn. I had to really go digging for it and who they were in the Age of Legends. Uh, they couldn't remember what their job title was, and I just I remember that they were a lawyer. So really, I mean, do they? Do no, we Weaver. Really have to. Yeah, do we really have to remember, like. You know, no, because we can ask you. <clears throat> exactly. <laughs> so, I, I'm just filled with that kind of knowledge. Uh, and you know, sometimes I do have to go back to the books, and but I have those on my phone, and I can just be like, do, 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 do. Oh, there it is. Paste it. That's so nice. So I have, I have a question. Have you ever done any of the like Wheel of Time trivia things? Because I, I uh, sat I, in on, I think it was, I can't remember if it was WalkCon or JordanCon last year. I sat in on one of the Wheel of Time trivia panels, and I was like, I cannot believe people know any of this. I couldn't. <laughs> All of the questions were like way over my head. 
Uh, no, I have not. Uh, mainly because I don't want everyone to embarrass myself because I can tell <laughs> that there are people who are way better at this stuff than me. Um, <laughs> but I probably should. Um, I have never been to WatCon or to JordanCon. Um, usually, mainly because A, financial reasons, or B, it's usually going on during other conventions that I go to. Mm. And oh. it's just not feasible. Um, eventually, eventually, I will, I will go. But, They're uh, both really far away from us. Yes, yes. Uh, Rob and I are on the uh, West Coast, Best Coast. And so... <laughs> hashtag. That's right. Hashtag. <laughs> uh, hopefully, hopefully, and uh, maybe maybe this will come up later later on. Uh, there will eventually be uh, a West Coast Wheel of Time convention. There better be. There yeah, was sure. a well, there spoiler is, con. Yeah, there is spoiler con, which is a lot smaller scale than the yeah. other ones, but it's growing. Um, I haven't been down there yet. That one's run by Watt Spoilers, um, mm-hmm. so it's in Portland. Whenever I think about it, then it tends to be like too late to register, and then I'm like, oh, crap, I miss it again this year. So I told Seth that one of these years I am going to make it down there, even if it's not a thing anymore, just at least to hang out with them and see them. Well, thank you guys for being here. This is exciting. We're, uh, we got a lot to talk about this week. We want to learn more about you, Marshadi, and all the interesting things, your, your involvement with the fandom and everything. But as everyone knows, we're called They Might Be Dark Friends because we like to compare each episode to a They Might Be Giants song. And today's is a very popular They Might Be Giants song, Particle Man. Do you want to explain to us, Rob, why we chose Particle that song Man. title? Particle, Particle Man. Man. Particle Man. Particle Man I chose because because of our guest, Morshadi. He's always fighting the good fight for accessibility. And as we all know, if we know Particle Man, which if you don't know Particle Man, you should listen to it, Google it, watch it on Spotify. No. Reverse that. <laughs> Sorry. Strike that. Reverse it's it. early. It's early. My calf has not yet kicked in yet. Um, so I chose <laughs> Particle Man because, you know, he's always... He's like the protagonist of the song, but he gets beat up a lot because the big guy, Triangle Man, seems unbeatable. And Triangle Man might be a code name for Elon Musk to Dronai these days. (laughs) Possibly. So not saying he's a dark friend, but he might be a dark friend. But I still don't want to have him on the podcast. We do want to have more shoddy on the podcast. So. Marshadi is our particle man this week. Yay. Awesome. So, so we're going to talk a little bit about, about accessibility. Um, I, Twitter of Time in particular is has actually been in some news articles recently about how much they push certain kinds of accessibility on Twitter, which I think is awesome. Um, somebody, I think, Alyssa, you said something about gatekeeping. I think the <laughs> term is way gatekeeping. Right. And do you guys know about the Lego Waygate? Right. From Bricks That's of amazing. Time? Yes. Isn't that the coolest thing ever? It. Yeah, if you yes. haven't, we'll try to include this in the show notes, but um, Bricks of Time does some amazing Wheel of Time Lego work, and they recently released a set that you can't yet buy, but it's like the Waygates from the TV show, and it's it's on like a base made up of the seven-spoked wheel. It's so cool. And there was and, one um, with the water. Did you see that one? Yes, there's <laughs> one with the water, and there's one like in the jungly-looking area from the season two trailers. So yeah. I would highly recommend going to that ideas.lego.com, find the Wheel of Time Waygate, go support it. If it gets enough support, it could be turned into an actual set that we could buy, which I think that's what's missing on my shelf back here is a Waygate Lego set. Come on. <laughs> Absolutely. So cool. Indeed, indeed. Uh, also, Amazon, uh, we need more tchotchkes. We need yes. more stuff oh. that we can buy. 
Give us yes. stuff to buy. So much more we stuff. All have, we all can buy things from Amazon. We all have Prime, okay? We will buy the stuff. <laughs> we right? will buy the I stuff. I just don't understand that. Like, I just don't get it. We've been like, just give us anything. You know, give me a stuffed trollic. I don't care. Whatever it is, I'm going to buy Bring it. back the stuffed trollic yeah. from the 90s. <laughs> a purple one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so speaking of Wheel of Time and the show, obviously we've had quite a drought of Wheel of Time news, but we've had some recent things happening. It feels like the pot is stirring a little bit. It feels like they're starting to... The cook pot? The cook pot. <laughs> the trollic cook pot, yes. And uh, there might be some tasty morsels in there. So let's talk about it. We got... A um, 26 minute thing, which we talked about a little bit in our last one, where we, they revealed Dane Bornhold and Bane and Chiad and mm-hmm. Sheriam Sedai. And then we got Varen Sedai. Uh, not only did we get Mira Sayal confirmed as Varen, but we got a very short two second clip, which we all analyzed for about 10 hours worth of content or more. <laughs> Seems uh, fair. On Mother's Day for some reason. On Mother's Day, which I'm still angry about, but it's, okay. it's all good. Uh, so, um, yeah, let's talk about it. Uh, more shoddy. Let's start with you. What was your favorite kind of reveal of the last little bit? Uh, I would probably say um, all of it is great, but what my favorite thing about all of it is everybody's explosion. Yes. It's not necessarily the actual reveals. Everything was great. Everything was the 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 twenty six minute video was awesome. Like uh Ayua and the Aiel were were great. I really loved that. Um but everyone deep diving into <laughs> what is the pillar? What are the things in the back? Mean? <laughs> All right. What is this? Are they on the same set? They're, they're, it's a different angle, but it's different lighting. Is this like? Is, <laughs> is this like, a monocle? Is it a triangle? Is, is there like Baron has a zipper? Like I was just like I'm I'm sitting back I, and I just look at I'm just watching the video like the 26 minute video I watched it once, you know yeah. um, the Baron reveal I was I, like I watched it a couple times because it's just two seconds right so it just flips back and forth. Um, the, like, there's a couple of pictures that came across Instagram of them doing some weird infusion or th- some other thing. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of odd. Um, and I, but I just, I'm being very passing about the social media aspect of what they're releasing, but I'm, I've kind of, I've stepped back from it a little bit and just, I'm really enjoying how everyone else is engaging with it and really deep diving. It's, it. And a lot of it, I think, is because, and I don't want to sound like an old man, but I'm very <laughs> much old manning and just watching the youngins <laughs> take, taking my place where I used to be. Um, I used to be in that spot. I used to be feeling like that, where I had to analyze every little thing. What is the meaning of is is? You know, <laughs> what, what, is, what does Robert Jordan mean when the gateway wouldn't open there? Like it, that used to be how I uh, ingested um, the books. Uh, I don't do that anymore. You don't have to because you know other people will do it for you. Yeah. So you're saying it's possible to grow out of that? No. <laughs> grow out of it. Lauren never. I, I wouldn't say it grow out of it. I think it would be more, uh, I've, I've tread that path. And so I'm just watching everyone else do the same. Yeah. You know what it's like uh, <laughs> as you're describing that? Cause like I, I'm an old man here too, but all four of us are parents, so we, we, we'll, we'll be able to relate to this. It's kind of like, you know, when you're a kid 
and Christmas time comes and you're all about getting the presents and you're so excited for the next present and like, what's it going to be? And what's Waddle Prime going to give us this week? You know, like that kind of thing, <laughs> right? Like, so get excited about it. But then now for us, it's kind of like, it's kind of like now you're the parent and you get the joy of giving the presents to the kids and then just watching them enjoy it, you know, without necessarily having to be the next one to open the present, you know, like yeah, yeah, you're just yeah, watching yeah. the kids like having fun with the stuff, you know, like, and it's just, you know, it's just a different phase to be in. It's, it's funny. Cause I always talk about when I talk about uh, my history of like coming to the books and stuff. Uh, when I first read um, the, uh, the wheel of time, then I was uh, in my twenties. In fact, when I started eye of the world, I was 20 years old, just like Rand and Matt and Perrin were when they left. And so I kind of had their, short-sighted, you know, impatient perspective when I was a kid, but then like after memory light and then starting a complete reread, now I am at a phase of, you know, like I find myself more in the life phase of, of Tam, you know, like now I'm in my forties and, you know, my kids are having kids and stuff. And so now I'm kind of like, see it from a totally different perspective. And so that's the cool thing about these books is that, you, you know, that you don't grow out of them. You just appreciate them from a different angle. Absolutely. Have you guys heard the concept concept of utility, like getting utility out of something? My husband was an econ major, so we, we talk about utility and what you get what sort of pleasure out of is is different and it changes over time. And so that's that's what kind of what we're talking about. We used to get utility about go delving into the minutiae, and now we get utility out of watching other people do it and how their enthusiasm blossoms. <laughs> that's wonderful. I love that idea. I you know, I I still as it's obvious from some of my content, love de de uh, delving into the minutia. Well, you're so good at it. But I have to say, um, <laughs> I feel that way about like the Stormlight Archive, for example. Like I, the Wheel of Time has stuck with me since I was very young, and I love the details. And I get really excited when we get any new sort of thing because it gives me that feeling of being young again and doing that thing we used to do on the old forums, tearing apart things. You know, when they would release a prologue. For a book before the book uh, would come out, right. and we would talk about all of that. On oh the my god! And stuff like I, 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 I live for that still. And you can tell people like the Dusty Wheel do too. You know, like they get so excited about the smallest little drop, and that's really fun to me. Did you used to be on Theoryland, Lauren? Well, so yeah. Well, I would go to Theoryland. I was too scared to post because they, ah, were, me they too. were a little mean. <laughs> they were I... mean, but they just they knew so much, and but... I didn't feel like I could even like match them on the yeah that's level. why i never posted i just felt like these people are too smart for me like they're too into this and i'm just casually reading it at the time and on my lunch breaks and stuff so i don't have time to kind of deep dive and you know correlate everything of course i did as soon as i went home but uh you know i was always too intimidated to post on yeah. Land, but now I feel bad because it's like, you know, the, the same people running Dusty Wheel. And I'm like, oh, these are friends. You know, I shouldn't have had this stupid barrier in my head that I couldn't approach people. And well, it's a very different thing. The Dusty Wheel is so open and friendly. And they're like, welcome to the inn. Everyone's invited. And I'm not saying Theoryland wasn't that way, but it was very much kind of like a elite <laughs> intellectual who were like really into intellectuals. I just felt personally, it's like we've talked about before when you're at a, a convention, you don't feel like you can approach certain people because. You don't feel like you fit in. Like it's probably just perceived on our end and it wasn't yeah. that way. Yeah. Um, I was going to say though, uh, like with the Stormlight Archive, I see the youngins, so to speak, like <laughs> looking at the Stormlight Archive and knowing all the details and understanding all these crazy things about Brandon Sanderson's Cosmere. And I just cannot keep up. I've read the first few books from the Stormlight Archive multiple times and I can't remember anything about anything. So <laughs> that that's that part of me that's sort of not, I'm not able to latch onto things like I can with Wheel of Time, but 
because we're too old. It's true. Yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, you come to things at certain points in your life and maybe it's like why I can't stand pop music. But when I was a kid, I used to like it. And now I'm just <laughs> like garbage. Ah. Just kidding. <laughs> now I'm now I'm Bob Seger singing that song, you know, like give me old time rock and roll. <laughs> Get off of my lawn. Get off my thatch. <laughs> well, Alyssa, what about you? What was your favorite sort of news drop or, or tidbit from recent weeks? Um, well, we we think we talked last time about I really loved the Shiriam segment that people thought was super weird, but I loved it. But I also have to say, I mean, I, it was really fun to see Varen. That was because that was the new the new news. But I do have to say, I, my one critique that I know this is like obviously it's not going to stop me from loving the show, but I was like, man, her hair looks way too good. She's, she's just not into taking care of her hair. Like, that's like a last priority. Her hair looks amazing. <laughs> Maybe it's just a weave. The, Maybe it's just a weave. Oh, you know, I never thought that. Oh, that's anyway. why we do this, folks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. Yeah, no, it's true. But uh, can you imagine, like, the first reveal of Aaron? But I don't know about you guys, but I feel like this is a shot from an upcoming teaser or trailer. Can you imagine if she's just, sure. like, frizzle hair, frizzy haired with ink spots on her face? Like, of course, we would freak out and love that, but people would be like, what? <laughs> what yeah, we'll yeah. fix you it know, in post. <laughs> you know what's interesting is um, I think right after I w she was announced, I went looking in the IMDb page, and I think she's only listed for one episode. Yeah, but so, right is, now. Right so now. is everyone right now because there's only one episode on IMDb. Oh, okay. Because Don't I like Yosha and Rosamund are listed for one episode. For really? Okay. Two, I think, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, I, think I it, checked the same thing recently because I was like, wait okay. a minute. I think it depends on like there actually being pages for them to be tied to like, you know, just oh, from okay. the IT perspective or whatever, you know, like from the information architecture. So I imagine once the other episodes get pages, then, you know, it'll probably trickle down and we'll see. Uh, for me, the Varen thing is very exciting, but it's also the latest video I made, so it's the thing that's most on my mind. You know, I'm I actually really like the the theory that Varen will be accompanying Matt to Falma, in place of Tom and Matt going to the Stone of Tear. But I think that um, there are some hints that she might be arriving in Tarvalon specifically to free Matt from the Tower, which mm -hmm. I love that concept. That that's my favorite theory right mm -hmm. now. Um, especially because there's some great Matt Varen stuff later in the series. And I think it would be a good setup to kind of set up their, their relationship. Well, I know bit. the, the red Aja is going to be ticked off when they find out that he can't channel. Oh, spoiler alert. Um, we might want to change. We might set a spoiler rating for this show <laughs> can have that. or books, but that they're going to be pretty mad when they find out that, that Moraine set him up and he can't channel. And I would, that's kind of like a, what do you call it? A metaphysics thing I always wondered about is, um, you know, if women can't detect when a man, a, a man is channeling or if they have the ability, um, then how do they really know until they see a guy channeling that he can actually channel? Yeah. Well, how did Eamon Valda know that Egwene could channel in season one? Uh, I think because he already had his mind made up because yeah. he's a short sighted zealot, but. Yeah, I think there's more to it than that. He seemed very confident, not to mention the fact that he had captured and killed previous Aes Sedai. There's something about I, the show version of Eamon Valva that we don't yet know. I think, I, you know what, I, I think I, I he mean, knew that Moraine was um, Aes Sedai. Because even when he checked her hands, like, he would be able to see or feel an intention, 
indentation right. from a ring well, that's and been there land, a long time. And land was clearly being a warder in that moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe maybe what, that's why the rings are so big, so that way they're not too tight on the finger and leaving the indentations. Maybe. <laughs> I wish I had that problem because I got too fat for my wedding ring, and my friend had to saw it off when I had to go get a oh, no. CT scan or whatever it is, you know, where you're not supposed to have metal. Um, yeah, so right. That was an adventure. Got it on video. Stupid guy Crazy. thing. But anyway. <laughs> Well, I'm excited about, you know, so the rumor is, and I've heard it from John from What Up in particular, so I believe it, season two is going to be even more different from the books than season one was. And we have to kind of brace ourselves for that. But all things point to season three being much more in line with the book, starting with The Shadow Rising. And so I think not only based on some of the complex things that happened at the end of season one, you know, with Matt leaving and some of their weird COVID problems, a lot of the characters are in different places than they were at the end of the Eye of the World book. So they're starting at a different place, especially Matt. But then they have to end season two more or less where book four picks up. And so from my point of view, there's going to be a lot of realigning of things. They're obviously shoehorning. I shouldn't say shoehorning. They're putting in um, a lot more Moraine and land story points and things of that nature. But I do think that it will still align more or less by the end of season two to something more book related. So do you it'll think, be to see how they get there. Do you think that, because I know there's been a lot of talk that like the fall May and stuff is, you know, we're assuming that it's the end of season of episode eight, right? Mm -hmm. The end of season two. What if fall May is the mid season finale and then there actually is going to be, you know, the stone of tear maybe uh, at the end of episode eight. And we just, don't know anything about it. That would be amazing, but I, I have a hard time believing they'll fit that much in considering what they did with season one. Yeah. I, I would not want to be a showrunner and a writer on adapting this material. Well, shout out to the writers specifically. Like y'all need more money and you know, absolutely. Yes. But um, as far as just the task of, of adapting this into a television medium where you have to communicate. So basically everything visually and audit, uh, auditorily um you know uh because you're not in anybody's head there's so much of the books and stuff that's like just told from being in the perspective of people's heads um all the world building and stuff like it's totally understandable why they had to deviate so much to me in the first book to kind of like you know expand the world and explain you know who the Aes Sedai are and how it works and you know all these different things we still haven't even really touched on the prophecies of the dragon at all um, except for, you yeah. know, Rand looking at the book, but no prophecies have been said. No prophecies have been referred to really, um, that line up with the ones in the book. Well, except the very opening, right? The, the, the weird additional opening of the very first episode where Moraine's like getting dressed or whatever. Yeah. Wasn't sort of referring to prophecy in that? Yeah. She's talking about like, you know, the, the breaking of the world and, and the dragon will be reborn and. We don't know if he's a boy or a girl and yada, yada. I think it's really cool how they're kind of like introducing the unreliable narrator, even from the point of view of the Aes Sedai who don't know everything and they think they understand. Which is, which is very like the books. Yeah. Yeah, yes. it is. That's as much as people I don't want to admit it, it is. Mm -hmm. That's actually part of the irony to me. Like I respect people who don't like the show. That's fine. They're allowed to not like it. But the people who are like really angrily speaking out about how terrible it is, 
and how it's nothing like the books. To me, they it's like they miss the point of the books to some degree. I'm not I'm not saying the show's perfect, but there are a lot of things in the show that are like the books. And the unreliable narrator is one of those brilliant things that people take season one at face value and they get like upset about certain things. And I'm like, maybe it's not what it seems. You ever think of that? Just like in the books, you know, like there's a lot that could still happen that can change our perspective on the story they're trying to tell. So mm -hmm. Well, anyway, we could talk about this all day. I want to move on a little bit because I want to find out more, Shadi. What is your experience with the Wheel of Time? You can talk about your first time reading it, or, or um, you know, just kind of how you came into the series. I would love to hear specifically, like, what is it about the Wheel of Time that resonates with you, and makes you such a fan? Well, um, what's really funny is that I started out with the Wheel of Time. I got the Eye of the World in a kind of weirdly unconventional way. We found it, my parents used to clean clean the laundromat and some person left their copy of Eye of the World. It was a hardback cup copy. And so they put it in Whoa. a, uh, they put it in a lost found. It had stayed there for weeks. And I was just like, ah, you know, I'm like, how old was I? Ah, I think it was 12. I don't know. I can't remember what age I was. And I was like, well, I'm looking for something. And I grab it because, you know, I'm a kid. What That's do I know so about stealing? <laughs> I lost him down. It's not stealing. You're on the found side. Yeah. And <laughs> take it home and it stays on my shelf for like two years. And specifically, and specifically because I hated the artwork. <laughs> <laughs> I literally judged this book by its cover because God, that artwork was atrocious i don't care <laughs> dks artwork is horrible all right i don't know what kind of blood oath or blood magic dks had over the over the jordan estate it was bad all right anyway come to the summer of 1997 i am bored out of my skull i'm like i need something to read i've read every other book in my my house i guess i'll read this thing I'll read like the first couple of chapters or something. If it's stupid, I'll just get rid of it. You can I hear that back... eye roll. Yeah. The <laughs> eye roll was there. I took the dust jacket off. I like hid it behind my other books. And I and that right there is when instead of being your casual fan, I let it consume my soul. <laughs> we are now, all familiar with that, aren't we? Indeed. Because it's the <laughs> now, best prologue of all time. Like you it, just it, Yeah. I, anyway. I don't care what anyone says. Okay. That prologue. Yes, in the terms of like a story to all the end, to the end or whatever. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. But you know what? It's impactful. You go, mm -hmm. what is going on here? This is interesting. And then it's you. if you look at it from a uh, cinematic point of view, it's like it then fades into the story. Right? Yeah. It's very much, it's very cinematic. And I don't understand why people don't like it. When they added ravens to it, I was just like, what? What in the no. world is going on? What? No. I mean, I like ravens. But I was like, what? No. no. It kills the momentum, though. It kills and, the momentum. Um, well, and the funny thing about ravens is it was added in to try to appeal to younger viewers, and it's yeah. so boring. It, it it's is. so dry it's very... and long. <laughs> yeah. And then on top of that, it adds it adds this, like, extra, extra meta knowledge. To, to right. Tam and all this kind of thing. And it was like, I, I, whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so your soul was consumed. <laughs> my soul was consumed. I read that book. I literally can feel 
still can feel those pages in my fingers. Oh. Now, what's interesting about this book is I've had other hardcover books of Eye of the World. I've had paperback books of the Eye of the World. I've had multiple versions. I have never this. I've never had another cover hardcover book like this Eye of the World book. It's always been different. I have torn apart this book. Like I read it and reread it and reread it until it fell apart. Everyone knows this. Everyone who's who's a huge fan of the they've had books that have fallen apart. I I, I know I'm gonna probably lose some followers on this. I have had to duct tape this book together. <laughs> um like and it's I still I have it. It's too. it's like it's like part of me. And but the pages are different. It's almost like they're they're feather thin. And it's like very delicate paper. And I was like, what is so special about this book? Why is it different paper? So I started looking through the through the actual information and looking. This was a book club book of one of the original book clubs that it first came out in. <laughs> so it was wow. like a special edition. Those are the first ones I had was like joining the sci-fi book club. And then I got like the first six or seven. That way. Yeah. Interesting. So it was like specially printed or for that purpose it's or something? whatever for whatever book club and it, it came out in in yeah, mm. so it came out, it was smaller, it was like it was it's bigger than a paperback copy, but it was still hardbound. It had a nicer cover. Um and it, uh, and ugly I was just artwork. Like, but it still had the ugly dustbag jacket art book. <laughs> and I was just like, I destroyed a special nice book. I don't care, I still love it. And so I still own it. It's like in a box. It's in a box at home. Um, Anyway, and I will always keep it forever. I all the pages are still there. Again, like I said, I could take take my thumb, and if someone said, "Hey, you know, what's that page where the you know they jump on the you know have to bail them on ship?" and I could go, "Here you go." (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) like. It's like muscle memory. Muscle memory. And that's yeah. I could do the same thing with like all of my paperback books up through maybe probably like Crown of Swords. Because <laughs> ninety seven is when Crown of Swords came out. Yeah. And so once I got Eye of the World in, I was like, Oh, I'm hooked. Whoa. <laughs> I would go to this bookstore that was downtown and just like constantly go there, like, is it a is the paperback? Because I couldn't afford the hardback cover. You know, I only had enough for the paperbacks. That's like, the paperback. Like, kid, paperback's not going to come out until next year. Yes, right? I remember that. I remember finding out the release dates, but then it was a whole year till the paperbacks because uh-huh. they wanted to get the sales for the hardback. I ended up saving up for the starting with Path of Daggers. I was about the same as you, about the yeah. same age, around the same time where I, I, uh, I think I started reading maybe like '96, but by the time I caught up to the series, Crown of Swords had just come out. Yeah, and so I would I would visit my local library, which by the way, support your local libraries um, and check them all out. And then when it wasn't there, I'd be so mad. I'd go check. I was like, when is it going to be checked back in? It's like, well, it's supposed to be back on this day, but if they check it out, I was like, well, that's not fair. It just barely came out. They shouldn't be allowed to check it out twice. (laughs) I remember that. Are you me? That's funny. Uh, But yeah, it's, um, it's been a part of my life since, uh, for, since 97. So that's what, uh, 20, Six years? Six years, yeah. You know, and when I found out that Robert Jordan died, I was at work. I had just pulled up. Uh, I used to be an old uh, Wattmania account. Same. And the first post on there was that uh, the announcement that he had died. They had pinned it to the top. And I remember just feeling this sense of 
just everything went numb and it, it just buzzed because you know for for months we'd had we'd heard that he was in the hospital they had amyloidosis and all this kind of stuff and everyone was very upbeat and you're just like yeah he's gonna he's gonna beat this and we're gonna get all this and everything's gonna get back on track and you know and then just that happened and the entire day i was just like i i can't believe this happened this is this is not true this is someone who was a part of my life i had never met they did not know anything about me I, this was the, I know what this is now. The, the term is a parasocial relationship, but like the strongest parasocial relationship I've ever had, but they were felt like a part of my family had just died. And I just, I, I, I just went numb. When Brandon Sanderson took over for the final three books, I was so happy uh, that the, the stories were going to be told. I know people from a oh, lot mania threads who have, refused to read the last three books still they still haven't read them and i was like okay that's totally fine i read i think he does he did a masterful job um to finish it it's never going to be what robert jordan could have written right uh but i think he did what he could with what he had um Mm -hmm. i'm not necessarily the biggest uh, brandon sanderson fan of his writing I know that's going to probably lose me some followers as well, <laughs> but I think he did a fantastic job. He got better and better with each one. Uh, when a memory of light came out, I actually got the book and put off reading it for six months. I couldn't let go. Uh, my wife read it first before I did. Um, and then I read it, got to the last battle and put it off for another month. Well, that's willpower actually right there. Yeah. yeah. Um, because on top of that, I also saw the how just how freaking long it was. I was like, it was his own book. <laughs> yep. Um, because at this point, I'm also an adult now. Yeah. I have other things to do. Before, I would take the bus. I'd be doing other things. I'd be whatever. I always have a copy of it with me. And I was just like in parking lots, you know, just walking around with a book in my in my face. Now I'm an adult, driving around everywhere, going to work. I'm having to do other things. Now I had to actually take time out actually mm-hmm. read yeah. and I just I couldn't continue on and when I finally got to the end and I didn't eat, probably I only cried three times throughout the entire thing and we're gonna put spoiler warnings on this right yes, yes. okay um one was when Suwan died was I, no I didn't really cry I got a tear I got a tear a tear out of it because I was like damn it right <laughs> One was uh, when Egwene died, even though she was probably one of my most hated characters up through book six, I like grew to love her and Brandon Sanderson made me just like the biggest fan of her by the end. And when she died, I was just like, so proud. And, but she made me cry. And then it was Bella. Yeah. (laughs) I bawled i put my book down and i bawled and then got to the end of the book and to see that there was no glossary afterwards yeah i just i stopped i was like i put it down and i didn't read it again until last year wow because it is the one book i've only read twice every other book i've read multiple times because uh as each book came out i would do a reread over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, but a memory of light is probably my one hole of, of facts that I don't really have a good grasp of because 
well, I don't have another book to come out. Yeah. And it just was like such, it was a finality to me. So I think that really does uh, resonate with most, probably most people's experience when they get that far and then they finish that last book. Because like, you know, we see it on Twitter. People are like, I just finished Wheel of Time and I don't know what to feel or I'm feeling too many things and I don't know how to process it. It's, yeah, it's a common, I mean, I remember going through that too. And it's just like, it's, it's kind of like a death of the closest friend, you know, and yeah. you don't really know how to process. I mean, that sounds probably really ridiculous to somebody who hasn't read these, but it's just like, I don't know. Not there's just me. something about these books that I have not felt with any other series that I've read, no matter how long, you know, like the dark tower, I was like, okay, I saw that coming, you know, like, hate to admit it, but I saw that coming, you know, and, yep. or, or, you know, like any of the David Eddings books I used to read or Margaret Weiss, Tracy Hickman, it's like you plot at the end. Yay. It was awesome. Okay. Move on to your life, you know, but this one, it just like, I don't know. It, it hurts. hurts you. Yeah. It hurt. Well, it had been so long. It was such a long journey. It wasn't just like, oh, we just read a couple books over a year. It was like years and years and years, you know, with these characters that became, you know, I don't want to say like my friends, but you know, they were, they really they were. were. They were. <laughs> I, I was just going to say that, that that's the thing. Like when people ask me, like, what is it about these books? It's just that characters are so well-written that you really feel like they're people that you know, you know, like that you're friends that you've hang out with for years. And that's, that's my experience. And that's just a testament to the writing, of course. Well, imagine if it hadn't ended well. <laughs> we yeah. Wouldn't, oh, there man. wouldn't be 50 podcasts and YouTube channels and a TV show. Like, I'm so thankful that it did end well, because let's be honest, there was a time there when things felt like they were dragging a little. I'm not saying the books ever got bad. They didn't. But Robert no. Jordan tried things. He slowed things down. He wasn't as... Um, he didn't want to get to the ending quite as quickly. And it, we kind of felt that. And I mean, I never doubted that Robert Jordan would have ended it well. But Brandon Sanderson may not be the strongest writer. He's great at endings. And I think he really did a phenomenal job of wrapping it all up. It would be interesting to see how it would have differed from Robert Jordan. I know that some of the very ending scenes were written by Robert Jordan. Mm -hmm. But what an amazing ending. And you could tell because they feel like uh, two movie clips that have been, have been spliced together. Yeah. Yep. And they don't really fit. Yeah. And you can feel it. Like his characters aren't as good, I don't think, but his pacing was excellent. And that's what yeah. the story really needed at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing all that. That I've man, I was just feeling everything you were feeling as you were telling that story. That was really wonderful. I got goosebumps at one point. Yeah, goosebumps. And and you know that feeling about Robert Jordan passing? I, I remember that too. I remember just being devastated. Shock. Like I knew him. It was like losing a grandparent or something, like at the time. And uh anyway, awesome. This is why it's lasted. The the wheel continues to turn, right? The the stories that have come out of it. That's why we like to do this podcast is to learn these stories from people and it's it's an ongoing legacy of Robert Jordan's. So Robert Jordan is also the reason why I won't start a new series unless it's two thirds done. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, everybody, you've ruined me for any other relationship. So you haven't read King Killer Chronicle? <laughs> you know, I'm. You know, it's you no. Know, yeah, that'll never be two. That'll yeah. never two thirds done. It's never. That's done never done. two. Yeah. <laughs> my my spouse has read those. See, they they've given me opinions on that, and I I think I will read them eventually when the next one comes out. But. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on that too. I wanted to talk to you real quick though, Marshadi, yeah. about you mentioned Watt Mania. Yeah. So one of the things that's fun about this podcast is we are all a little older. We're we're more experienced in the Wheel of Time community than some. Um, 
Can you talk to us a little bit about the fandom from your perspective, both kind of how it used to be when you were, you know, late 90s to how it is now and kind of how you've seen that change and stayed the same? Well, youngin, <laughs> let me just tell you a little bit about how it used to be in the time. Uh, well, here's the thing. So one of the fun things about uh, being on Twitter time is so myself i created a twitter account back in 2008 just to see hey what is this new thing that's out there uh get on twitter you know twitter and go well my interests include uh you know wheel of time that's my whole personality i guess is anyone talking <laughs> about wheel of time <laughs> and it's a desert it's the freaking ale waste nah you know what this place is a hellhole and i squashed it put it aside uh until you know that 2019 end of 2019 or so and it came back online for multiple reasons but and i noticed that the community had started up around you know the, the twitter time tag hadn't started up yet but i noticed there were some people who were talking about wheel of time all over the place and one of the fun things about being part of an old community like Wattmania, uh you know tarvalon.net though i did it wasn't really part of that i mean what media was my my big one was seeing the infancy of the Twitter time community was the same as the infancy of all the communities back then. So you see similar patterns of how a, a social community happens. Everyone is very nice. Everyone chit chats about their, their experiences, um, and what they love and what they don't love back and forths. And as I'm sitting back, and watching this, it's uh, you can just tell where where things are going to start swelling, and will just pop. <laughs> yeah. um, it's really funny. I I can't remember what the account name is. I think it's uh, the default dragon. I think created a uh, infographic of the circle of the Twitter time community of what happens after a certain time, and there's always a cycle. To, to everything. And it's the same cycle as what it used to be like. Um, back in Wattmania, there were the same thing. Everyone was very social. They would post their theories. They would do this, that, and the other. We would stay up chatting until three, four o'clock in the morning. And then Cannoli would post his latest theory about why Egoin was, uh, was a dark friend. <laughs> and if you get a chance, I think it's still out there. It's not necessarily the most... Now you would go, no, 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 absolutely not. But at the time, it was very funny. Um, some of his, some of their later stuff was a little, was a little, uh, okay, buddy, you need to back off. But, <laughs> uh, and everyone would explode because it's the same stuff you would have now that everyone, like, I don't like Egoine. And you'd, everyone would take sides. And now everyone would block each other. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yes. and then it, everyone is now on each side one one side or the other everyone's either mutually blocked each other so they can't see each other and then <laughs> everyone would be nice everyone would be nice until the next thing and that would be alana and this i remember the same thing with alana back then and it was you know well she's she's the the equivalent of being this and that and the other it's like and there will be an explosion on both sides and it just it I see the same things going on. Um, the one thing I will say, the differences between the two, the two time periods is it's about mainly the difference in how we 
probably were raised on how to treat the internet. <clears throat> is everyone who engaged online separated their personalities? So you had your, you had who you were online and who you were in real life. Now, if you let someone in, that is because it is a one-on-one -on -one relationship, right? So, but otherwise, who you were online was a different personality. You walked two different life, lifestyles. Like, you didn't ever share any any real information. It was who you presented yourself as. Yeah, online. anonymity was Anonymity was key. Like, yeah. you don't, like, I remember I was like, you don't ever share information because strangers on the internet are going to come and, like, steal your, steal your eyeballs. And then Facebook came out and they're like, give us all your personal information so we can share it with the world. <laughs> yeah. So we can sell it. Now, Twitter is an entirely different atmosphere. On top of, you know, data mining and things of that nature, people are very much, it is an extension of who you are socially. <clears throat> I know more about someone's personal life because of their Twitter profile. <laughs> Than I do about what's going on with my own child. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of interesting because it's taken on that dimension that, you know, now you see even like actors who we pay to pretend to be somebody else when they show their personality on social media, then they'll get fired from being an actor on the show where they're pretending to be somebody who's not like the real them. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, did, on the other hand, I do think that there's still a lot of hiding behind a username on the internet. Persona. You know, there's still a lot of like Instagram false reality stuff. And there's still a lot of like, even when we present ourselves on something like a podcast or a YouTube channel, we're presenting a version of ourselves as, that isn't our whole self, right? Yeah. And that's true. And, 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 and there's always a presentation that everyone always has different, different ways that they present themselves to everybody in every situation, even in real life. But it, in terms of Twitter itself, there, and in terms of the Twitter of time, people are very open with each other. They're very okay with letting people in. Um, so, you know, people betray that. But like the man whose screen name was Boris. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> everyone, you know, they're willing to reach out and help other people because of whatever uh, GoFundMe is going on, because of whatever health mm -hmm. issues are going on. No way would I have known that back in those other days like right, right. Mm, interesting no way would that be something that you would find out you would find out through the grapevine right but right. being out there in the open and everyone's okay with it now because that is something you do it is it is very much more a community oriented thing everyone it is very much more village oriented in terms of information yeah I, you know, it's interesting you say that because I remember the back in the WAP Mania days and the Dragon Mount versus WAP Mania versus just Tarvalon.net. <laughs> and it really was kind of like a versus scenario. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this was intentional or not, but there was kind of like a friendly competition going on between, mm -hmm. between these sites. And there were people who were kind of like, no, I only go to WAP Mania. Oh, no, I only go to Dragon Mount, you know? And, and uh, yeah, was, <laughs> I only go to Blockbuster. I only go to Hollywood uh, Video. <laughs> Right. I didn't it's, go to any Hollywood of them. video was, was way better than scary. Blockbuster, sorry. <laughs> and well, it lasted but, longer than Blockbuster, just saying. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like nowadays, I kind of agree. Now, that's not to say that there aren't sort of like still fringe things going on in the in the little time fandom. There are absolutely uh people who don't feel welcome in Twitter of time, I think. And probably partially because they like kind of feeling that antagonistic kind of feel. But I do agree that for the most part, 
it's such a welcoming community. And you know, you said something about Twitter when you joined long ago and realizing it wasn't a great, it was like a cesspool. <laughs> I mean, I think that is how Twitter is, except oh, yeah. for Twitter of time. I don't know what has happened. I don't know how Twitter of time has become such a almost safe haven. It, it, I can't think of a better word for it. It's it's a really positive community. I'm really impressed by it. Well, the problem is, is that so 2008 was still pretty much the Twitter's uh, infancy. So people didn't really have good etiquette. Yeah, I think it just launched in 2007. Uh, yeah, it was like 2006, 2007. So there was no real etiquette to it. Over the last whatever years, um, the etiquette has grown and has established itself. And the problem with saying it's a cesspool now is the same as saying that that in real life it's a cesspool. It is about curating your experience. Right. For the most part, my experience on Twitter is pretty good, mainly because I curate it. I have always said, you know, if someone is being a problem, well, I'd mute them or block them. I don't want to see them in my life. My internet experience is essentially just like my home. If I don't want to see them, if I don't want to be around them, they are not allowed in my home. Yeah. And that curates my experience and makes my experience much better. That's a great way to think of it. And I, you're absolutely right. Any sort of social media or interaction online requires some effort on our parts to yeah. kind of get it to the place where we want it to be. You can't just let the quote unquote algorithm do what it does without kind of guiding it. Otherwise, you're going to get the cesspool, so to yeah. speak, or the things that don't interest you or whatever. Awesome. That's so cool. I, I love hearing kind of that before and after fandom thing. Like, you know, some things just never change, do they? Well, and also it's a great segue into talking about um, how not just being a great community, but it's kind of in the forefront of pushing for accessibility, which is like, I wouldn't have even had a clue about, you know, how I could improve whatever I'm doing for accessibility online, except for Twitter, Twitter time and you know, learning how to add alt text and other tools. So that's something I think that you, right, we're going to have more shoddy talk about a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no, it's perfect. I love that because Yay. that's, and that's kind of like what we want to kind of wrap up today is talking about Twitter of time in particular has been a, leading that charge in making accessibility an important thing on Twitter. I, you know what I love to see is when you have like a popular account post something and like the immediate following tweet is, Hey, not, not trying to call you out, but we try to use alt text. We're trying to be accessible and here's how you do it. Like, I love that kind of helpful, like, Hey, we want to make sure this is good for everybody. So even like the wheel of time account didn't used to do it, but they kind of got taught how to do it. Uh -huh. You know, like uh, sometimes someone like Rafe or others might post and forget to include all te all text or whatever. So, um, Morshadi, I guess, first of all, can you explain what, what, what are we talking about when we say accessibility and, and how are you kind of a proponent of that? So, um, so to start with, I have, was never very good about it. Accessibility was something I didn't ever think about. I would post gifts and pictures and everything all over the place. The person who, uh, initially introduced me and corrected me and helped me along that journey was, uh, you, people would probably know them as uh, Wandering Channeler, um, uh, our channeler as well. They have mostly spent time now in the Stormline Archive uh, stuff. Um, and they are really the ones who um, push, push a lot of this. Uh, in fact, actually, they were the ones who uh, help 
the Wheel of Time account uh, push for uh, audio accessibility um, and audio things of that nature to make sure that we all knew that the essay was gonna is gonna be on the show. Um, and accessibility is about being making sure that the world is accessible to everybody as much as possible. When something's posted on Twitter, the default way that it's posted is for people who are sighted. When you post a picture, um, the automatic viewing of it uh, is, I'm going to look at it and understand the context. When someone who is uh, who who can't who is blind or has visual impairment, they're not going to be able to pick up in, on any context clues because when their screen reader reads that picture, it comes up as nothing. So if you just post a picture, they are now left out of that social experience. With and when you add alt text to that, you are then adding context to the image that you're posting. Now you don't need to add. You know, a, a, a Tolstoy novel to the picture, <laughs> but you need to add um, what the context of why you posted that. So, a good example is Snakes and Boxes posted a picture a while back of a box of fudge, and the the picture of the uh, pricing on it it says at uh, uh, ask ask fudge four dollars and ninety nine cents. <laughs> meant to be assorted fudge for the $4.99, right? His all text was was about what the picture said and why it was funny, right? What it was. That was the context of the image. So that way the person who was needing that alt text could be included in on the joke. That's all it needs to be. And this only not only includes uh, images, it can include GIFs, videos. That's the biggest problem with a lot of things that I see online is people will add things to uh, pictures and GIFs, but they won't do it for videos. They won't add transcripts. Right. They won't add captions because um, it's not just for people who are blind. It's for lots of disabilities. Um. Recently, May May 18th was uh, Global Accessibility Awareness Day, so GAD, and which any awareness day is always going to bring out every business <laughs> posting that they are awareness day friendly allies. There was a bot that went out and found every post that had GAD or Global Accessibility Awareness Day on their tweet and would retweet them saying, hey, it would be really great if you could blah. And it was very well-built bot. Uh, surprised that it still worked because <laughs> because of whatever going on. Twitter stuff. Because of Twitter stuff. Some accounts, understandable. They need to be explained. They need to be taught. Um, and personal accounts, they need, to be, they need to be explained too, right? They need to be taught. And as long as they try... And as long as they continue to try and to continue to improve, that's all that matters. It needs to just, they need to be, they need to just try. The ones that made me mad <laughs> are, are the ones that did not include alt text and showed images of people who were blind in their images. Wow. So like, are you 
kidding me. <laughs> you literally posted a picture of someone who would need alt text on this image in your picture. Well, I'll be honest. Like, like Alyssa said, I didn't know about this. Like, I didn't. And this is unfortunate because, you know, I should be more aware of others and their needs. But, I, you know, as someone who doesn't have issues with vision or hearing, I didn't think about these things. And so um, I'm thankful that someone did tell me what it was and helped to explain to me. There's a great feature in Twitter now that you can you can have it prompt you if you're about to post something and like an image or a GIF, it'll prompt you and say, hey, do you, don't you want to put a description in here or alt text before you post it? And I really appreciate that because sometimes I do just forget because I'm not thinking about it, you know? I wish it did that for videos, but it doesn't. Me too. Yeah, and videos are harder because they don't, um, you, you have a lot of that, right? There's a lot of a lot of everything on there. Well, I was just going to say, and I mean, I just, because of being unaware, I been thinking like, okay, well, whatever I post, I put alt text. And if I make a video, I always have subtitles. And I think maybe one, I don't, I still need to work on that. But then I just like, it just, as we're talking, I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't have anything describing the visuals in any of the videos I've made. That's just, now I feel terrible. Like I need to go back and like, should I add that? Like, what do you, I'm asking? Cause I want to learn should, if I make, if I put up a YouTube video and um, should I put that in the, just the description or what's the best way to do that? Is it, is it something that should be done? I don't even know. Well, and that's the thing. I'm not necessarily the best person to ask, ask that. Okay. I would probably say, um, like if you have a document, like, mm -hmm. um, like to a, like a like a Google Doc or whatever, I would probably write out what your outline is of when it is that is a description of the background of timing. Maybe I would probably say, but there are uh, if I just recently follow an account. If you look at my Twitter account, you'll see it. It's a Gadbot. Um, they have a lot of resources on there, and they could probably okay, cool. lead you to a, a better location about that. But I would probably say put an outline of what your um, what your video was like. And then tag, you know, put it on a Google Doc that's available for anyone to see, um, and then tag it in your description because it's like putting okay. it all in your description boxes. I don't know how the screen reader reads that. Yeah. Um, mm, okay. Well, maybe so, I need to reach out to some people who uh, you know who really understand or I don't so know. So well, that's why I say go to Gadbot. Um, yeah. Mainly because while there are a lot of people out there who could help, um, right now, like uh, Nine Valley Maidens, it is very helpful and they are willing to reach out it shouldn't be up to them to teach people that's true like, yeah there are resources out there okay. who uh who are they put out their information for free they mm -hmm. will even have classes on it uh things of that nature that's why i recommend going to look up gadbot and they have the resources on there okay. and they can I lead you in the I, I think what's tough is you know, when you're just excited about a fandom or something, you jump yeah. into Twitter, you make an account, you start following people. That's the last thing on your mind. You're not thinking about how can I be accessible to everyone or how can I help those who maybe yeah. are impaired in some way. And it's not that it's not that they don't deserve to be thought about, but you, we just don't think about those things. You know, yeah. I, I have this thing that I do that's selfish, I'll admit. There are times when I refrain from posting on Twitter because I don't want to put in the alt text. And because I'm a little lazy, like, I just yeah. don't want to deal with explaining this right now. You know, I just wanted to and, post this funny meme and share it and move on. And and I'm not saying that's the right attitude, but I'm saying I have had that happen for me where it's like, well, I want to post this thing, but I don't want to get really into the weeds with the description. So, like, what would you say is like a good, fair description without going overboard? Um, like, and, and I said this earlier, it's, it's right. why it, it would be an introspection as to 
why is it that you wanted to post it? What's the context yeah. of why you wanted to post it? And then just write, and you know, it doesn't have to be very like overly descriptive. Like, you don't have to be like, Robert Jordan. Yeah, you don't have to be Robert Jordan. You don't have to be Brandon Sanderson. Is there some uh, other way to be? I don't, like, um, you just have to be DKS. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but like, you know, um, I post comics a lot, right? Web comics. And they, you know, those are four panel comics, right? So what I'll do a lot of times is describe like what the title is and an overall what it is and then do like p1 for panel one and what the description of who's in it and then what they're saying p2 p3 p4 you know what i've found to be like an easy way to do this and you guys might try this you might not you might already have but because it takes me so much longer to type something than it is to just say it like i'll go to the alt text thing uh -huh. and then I'll turn on the microphone and I'll voice text it. I'll just like there it, what it is. And it just like voice texting a text, you know, like you hit the yep. whole microphone and it'll annotate what oh, you say. Voice to text. I thought you were saying like you could record an audio. Oh, uh, That'd oh, be that. cool too. <laughs> that would probably okay, be a separate yeah. tweet. But. Like AI transcription and all that stuff is getting better and better. I've been waiting for yeah. that to get implemented better into YouTube. YouTube does have auto captions, but it's pretty hit or miss. There, there are actually some some AI visual description bots out there, actually, mm -hmm. and you could you could use that as well. You'd probably be be a little bit limited in terms of like uh, like fantasy background, like probably describing probably. the Sean Chan. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but in terms of say posting something that has a lot of text and things of that nature, there are options. Like in, on iPhone, uh, iPhone now automatically will scan for text, and you can just go into your picture. It'll say, oh, here it is. You just copy. You just like hold on to it, copy text, and then you can post the image, go to alt text, paste the, paste the text. Well, that would save me a lot of time because when I do the weekly wheel news, I try to, you know, include all of the text on there because it's all text-based visual jokes and yeah. stuff. But I found that that thousand character limit on the tweet alt text, a lot of times like I'll, I'll copy and paste from where I have taken the time to write it all out and it doesn't even all fit. Yeah. There, so I've seen people with, where they'll post an image, then they'll post additional images that just say alt text edition. Have you ever seen that? So uh -huh. they'll yeah. post like a gallery of images where only the first image is actually the important image, and then the remaining images just contain more alt text. Yeah. Uh, the alt text uh, utility will, if it expands out, will post multiple pictures. And that's another thing, too, uh, that people have used. That's that's a tool I will use, another bot um, that will likely go down here soon as well um, to sometimes gently remind people that they haven't included all text. And usually actually people have started using that. Um, it's actually bad. And they also had an article um, recently as well. Um, but unfortunately, the, their bot probably go down. I just appreciate the gently too. I mean, I think that's really hard when, you know, like Lauren was saying, we're not intentionally trying no, to no. exclude people. We want to, but it, if someone's like, how dare you not do this, then it's, you know, it's not helpful really, right? Yeah, and you're excited to share something and then you immediately get called out for doing something wrong. Not that you did, but you're right. Gently is the important word there. I love yeah. that. And that's, and, and that's the problem is that people need to, uh, if you notice a lot of the people who are maybe doing it more adamantly are likely people who are, in need of it in in need of it 
Yeah. Um, and they have been. Their frustration the, is understandable. Their frustration, their frustration is more along the lines of they've asked over and over and over again. Yeah, um, of course. Of the people who have done it and haven't corrected. Well, that's totally justified. Course corrected. Yeah. And so, but um, it, again, it, it goes just back to it's about trying. And if you've been asked to do it, and you don't try, even if you post the picture and then go, oops, I forgot, and just put the alt text in a second tweet, that's enough. Yeah, you know, I found that, um, and hopefully Apple will fix this, but if you share a photo directly from the phone without going through the Twitter app and you share it to Twitter, uh, then it doesn't give you the option Mm -hmm. to alt tag it. And so in that case, if you catch yourself, that's when it's good to you know, post a follow-up tweet, you know, with the alt description. Yeah. Um, I, I was wondering, and maybe you can speak to this because this is an issue that I haven't really understood that much is why uh, a lot of these bots and accessibility things that people have set up are being shut down. So um, what people may, may not realize is that even before um, everything that's been going on, the bot and API you had to pay for. Okay. Uh, so currently, for example, is the Altex utility bot was approximately paying about 50 bucks a month. That's a lot. Yeah, but they were paying for it through uh, certain certain things and everything. But mm-hmm. it, it was being used uh, a lot. And so they were like, whatever, it's it's worth it. Um, they need a Patreon. With the new payment model, I believe they said initially the new payment model, they were going to be uh, charged like two thousand dollars a month because it was going to be like a certain amount per tweet that they used the bot and then they changed it again and it was going to be closer to twenty thousand dollars a month and then they changed it again holy crap and then they changed it again so essentially once if they don't if they don't pay to be able to use the api to use the bots um the bot just goes down because they're going to have to shut it down um, but essentially it's a pay to play model. And to be perfectly honest, it's, it, these people are doing, doing the Lord's work. Essentially, they are just out there writing these, these Twitter, Twitter accounts with, that are very useful to people mm-hmm. and people have just started really discovering them and they're going, wait, why? And why are, why is it going away? And it's because yeah, it's financially not feasible. Well, really, what needs to happen is Twitter needs to have this built right into Twitter. Yeah. Rather than counting on the community to do this sort of thing and then asking them to pay. But well, t- that's a whole other discussion. That Elon Musk and Drone I have fired those people. Yeah. Yeah. It helps if uh, if the accessibility team is actually even around there. Yeah, right. It's unfortunate yeah. to see a part of Twitter that I love being affected by some yeah. of this stuff. But that's a whole other discussion. Well, I feel like at some point the ADA would have to be involved, right? I mean, the- you know, um, what's really interesting about that is that there actually aren't any actual standards for accessibility that are enforceable for the internet. Mm. Well, I hope that changes because it's it's kind of free flowing and always changing. So there's no real standards. There are standards for governments. They have to have certain standards, but for mm-hmm. the rest of the internet, there's not. Um, ADA standards um, apply to things like more physical. Uh, yeah, more on the physical side of it. 
So when it comes to the internet, it's kind of a, it's still, even though it's 30 some odd years old for the public, it's still a little bit wild west. Yeah. I remember designing stuff 20 years ago for, you know, making sure everything was W3C compliant worldwide web consortium, you know, like I don't even know if that's a thing anymore, but, uh, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a push for a long time and it's, it's crazy that it hasn't gotten better faster. Yep. Interesting stuff. Well, thank you guys. I I want to wrap this up because I do too. But we do need to talk really quick. We didn't we didn't talk about um, Morshadi's other um, obsessions, last passion, right? Which is tabletop RPGs. Do you want to talk about really really quick? Um, well, uh, in terms of the TTRPG thing, I actually I run TTRPGs, um, and I'm not in any shows right now, but I will be likely running a Zelda one shot. Uh, of PVTA fellowship here soon, hopefully uh, end of June, beginning of July, uh, which is actually a sneakily way for me to do a Wheel of Time game. Uh, so please be on the lookout for that. I'm hoping to do that uh, sometime at the end of the year. Otherwise, uh, I don't really have anything else to plug uh, because I have a, a work life that interferes with things. How, how, how can people find you, I guess, would be a good way. Um, well, best way to find me is actually on Twitter at, at more underscore shoddy uh, because someone already owns the at more shoddy and they haven't used it in 2012. So it's the one thing I do appreciate them that Elon Musk is doing is get rid of those old accounts. So I can take the more shoddy account. Um, but otherwise, uh, you can find me there. Uh, otherwise, I am on Discord in several different real-time uh, Discord. You have so a you fantastic website, even if you don't agree. I don't. I don't have a fantastic <laughs> <laughs> it's just a really cheapo website that I got for free from Google. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on the podcast today. Alyssa, what have you been working on or what do you want to plug? I mean, I have nothing right now. <laughs> you know, I've been sort of like, I ha- I ha- was still suffering from uh, idle, whatever you want to call it, malaise or drama or whatever it was. But um, I did make my, my Sean Chan parody, which was really, really fun. And it was... Uh, was kind of a cathartic experience for me. I'm st- I've got lots of ideas, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm just looking forward to going to WatCon and and hopefully, um, you know, getting over my insecurities <laughs> every day. Right? That's what we're all doing. Well, just a reminder. We love you, and we love your content. That your Sean Chan uh, parody was awesome, and Thanks. everyone should check it out. If you haven't, check out One Power Ballads on YouTube. Rob, what have you been? Work- what have you been doing? So. Um... I have a new issue of the Weekly Wheel News that's uh, coming together right now. It's like entirely in my written notes. Um, (laughs) But uh, I was on Instagram yesterday and I saw a post from Jeff Bezos saying that they that his company Blue Origins, I think is what they're called Mm -hmm. or something like that. Uh, They are partnering with NASA to uh, send people to the moon. Uh, permanently as a launching point for Mars. And so uh, my an upcoming headline, which by the time this podcast rolls out, the issue might already be out. I don't know. But uh, it's, <laughs> Hi, Lord Bezos summons Len for a trip to the moon. And so <laughs> nice. we'll call back to Eye of the World there. Love it. Um, so that's, that's in the works. And uh, I am also working on a parody video that is not nearly Alyssa's quality, but it's just oh, an idea that I had. Um, and like I said in my intro about the White Cloaks, this is a Dane Bornhold POV, um, which I don't know if there's been many Sounds of those. Great. Uh, but it's actually, hopefully it will make you not hate him as much. 
So we'll see. And I hope <laughs> I hope that J- Jay Duffy sees it and and is a fan. So we'll see what happens. Awesome. Lauren, what are you working on? Oh, I've always got something brewing. Right now, I'm trying to you know get through these last couple day- weeks of school with my kids. Uh, this is kind of like next week, I think is the last week of school. So that's been taking up a lot I have of my a son time. Graduating. I guess I should have said that. That's, that's what I'm... crazy. Woo-hoo. That's so awesome. Congrats. I think. Congrats. Yeah. <laughs> a new journey ahead. I'm sure it's, mm-hmm. there's probably a lot of stress associated with what's next. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, as far as my content goes, um, things have been going really well on my channel and I'm thankful to people Yay. who have been watching. I, finally hit a million views which is a big Woo! milestone just this last week it's the golden is, era of unraveling the it's pattern the golden right? era. The golden right? that's exciting you know the key is release dumb 10 minute videos about a two second variant clip at dumb. least once a week yeah. and yeah. suddenly yeah. suddenly youtube is like hey we should promote your stuff i don't know if it's still the case but earlier this week if you googled wheel of time or wheel of time season two my variant video was the top result. <gasps> nice. That's Good job. So my videos views have gone way up thanks to oh, so Google, basically. You. You totally well, it. No Lauren, I don't mean to brag, but I just got an email about somebody joining my channel, and I have I officially hit 201 followers. So That's be really jealous. Exciting. Very nice. Very I am nice. jealous. Be jealous of my 201 little people. I'm really, you know, <laughs> well, I we talked about this before, but this whole, like, analytics versus content creation versus doing this because we love it and we're passionate about it. And I go back and forth about all this, but I can't lie and say that I don't think about the analytics and I've been staring at them a lot this last week. It's exciting to see those numbers go up. It's also it not good for your mental health. I don't mean to brag, but like I just hit 469 followers on Twitter. Ooh, so nice. Look who showed up to the party. <laughs> that's honestly really great oh my gosh I, I wish you guys could have seen more shoddy's neck movement just that. That is scary. yeah three snaps up snaps oh, there, there is one more thing I, I i want to uh secretly like it's hush hush plug oh yeah Ooh. okay um and and that is it's like i don't don't tell anybody okay dude you're on I'm a just podcast like, it's because i'm on a podcast but if anyone's <laughs> in washington or in the canadian era area like be on the lookout because uh the screw jordan con and watt con we got something <gasps> coming Ooh. that's exciting also the canadian area is pretty big yeah <laughs> well well the western canadian side remember, <laughs> just remember everybody west coast best coast yes our <laughs> friendly neighbors to the north that's awesome i do have a video coming out well someday it's i'm excited about it it's uh taking every single clip from every teaser that we've received and trying to put it into order to figure out what's going to happen oh. in season two. I've been working on that and that's really fun. And I'm That'll sure I'm very wrong and that it's going to be really wrong. Maybe it'll be out by the time this podcast is out. We'll see who wins hey, the race. If this video comes out, uh, I would love to see after season two comes out, you to revisit it, whether that's from a comedic standpoint or For what, sure. but like that would just be a hilarious retrospective to be like. Well, I was very wrong about a lot of my season one predictions, so <laughs> I should revisit all that. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. We love all of you. Thank you to our Patreon supporters. We'll put a plug for how you can find us at the end of this, which we've pre recorded. But yeah, thanks for being here, everyone, and we'll see you later. Bye. Thank see you. Ya. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at TMBD Podcast. 
You can support us on patreon.com slash they might be dark friends. And if you'd like to be on the podcast as a guest to share why you love the wheel of time, please email us at they might be dark friends at gmail.com. Join us next time, or you might be a dark friend. Oh,